What if you are powerful? What if you are put on this earth with a purpose? What if you are called to something that only you can do? That's scary because that means we have to show up and do the work. And for me, that meant I have to let go of this not too muchness thing because for me to do and lean into and be available to all of the things that my heart knows is possible, I have to be bold and shake people's trees and be comfortable with not everybody liking me all the time. Your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea, and I have a question to ask you. Who are you if you take away all your roles and just focus on your identity? That is the question that we'll be tackling in today's episode. I am joined by Julie Wenger, and she is a certified coach, author, and podcast host. She helps impact-driven entrepreneurs and professionals cut through fear and overwhelm so they can live fired up, fulfilled, and free. This episode is so interesting. We talk about a bunch of different things around self-discovery, integrating the Enneagram into your life calling. By the way, I've taken so many different quizzes and I always get a different Enneagram. And so I need to retake it and like find out which one I actually am. We also talk about people pleasing and boundaries, shadow work, social media, and what we call surface level vulnerability, openly talking about things that matter to you managing fear and taming your ego, which is, I could take a a lot of notes around taming my ego. Lately, I've been getting back into the dating world and I can tell you my ego has been (laughs) through the ringer. So we talk about taming your ego and so many different other things. Julie is really a wealth of knowledge. She's so deep and she's so inquisitive. And she actually asked me at one point, I also went on her podcast, like, who am I? not my job title, not the daughter of my parents, not the sister, not whatever, you know, roles in the past I have, not my degrees from college. Like, who am I if I take away all my roles and accomplishments? It's a deep question, right? It it gets you to think like, who am I? So I want you to just think about that question for a second. If you didn't have your degrees and job titles and accomplishments and whatever else, who are you? So we get really deep in this episode. I think you'll really enjoy it and be sure to follow Julie and you can check out all her links in the show notes. Like I said, she is so deep and so knowledgeable and you will learn a lot from this episode. So before we dive in, I always like to give life updates in the beginning of the podcast. And lately I feel like I've been straying from that because I have so many other things going on, but I think it's fun to let you guys behind the scenes of like what's going on in my life. I've been actually writing a lot of detail in my emails, like fully opening up about what's going on with dating, with my plans, with my financial plans, with my goals. I mean, I've been getting pretty open in these emails. So if you want like the full rundown, definitely head to my email list, which you can add yourself go to my website, chelsearife.com and a box will pop up and you can add yourself or DM me at Chelsea Rife on Instagram and I'll add you to the email list. But to extract some of the points from the emails, I have been trying to get back into the dating world. 
I think I'm forcing it. <laughs> I think I'm trying way too hard. I'm like overanalyzing things and just completely ignoring like very obvious things that wouldn't make me compatible with someone. And I think I'm just like, oh, I want to find someone or I just want to like move on or whatever the case is. And I think, like I said, I'm trying too hard. I downloaded the apps. I ended up only really being active on Hinge. And I need to remind you guys, I'm in a small town. I'm in a small town where a lot of people are already settled down and married. This is not like a digital nomad hub or a super um, big city or anything. So it's been really interesting trying to dive into the dating scene again when I don't really feel like I'm in the right headspace or environment. And I, this past year, learned about attachment theory, and I definitely think I have an anxious attachment style. And that's something I'm working on. And that's why I kind of wanted to get back in the dating world to practice, so to speak. But it's been really interesting because I can notice this anxious attachment style kind of like flaring up a little bit. And that's why I go to therapy every week. I literally text my therapist between sessions and she's probably going to like block me soon because I'm like, I need more help. I honestly, I would love to do like two sessions a week, but it's just interesting. Like I said, you you think you're ready to get back in the dating scene or back into a relationship. And I think personally, I was just pushing it way too hard. I'm like, I'm just going to focus on my work and myself and my friendships, my health, a bunch of things, my finances. And then I know it will come. Like that's exactly how all my past relationships have worked. So that's something that's kind of an update. And then to be honest, like I just said, my small town is not conducive to being inspired or creative or anything. I have been actually feeling really like down here because when I go to cafes to work, there's like two people there working. So it doesn't feel like that buzzy energy of being around creative people where when I was in cities or co-working spaces, you hear people talking about their plans and it just fires you up. Like I remember being in Berlin, going to this awesome, I don't even know what it was. It was like a garden slash patio, but all these millennials and younger people were there drinking wine, having coffee, talking about their plans. Like I could hear the two girls next to me launching a platform. It sounded like the guy across from me was writing a book. I was like, this is who I need to be around. So I kind of had a breakdown earlier this week where I was just like, I cannot stay in this town for as long as I wanted to. My travel plans keep changing. And I kind of made a decision. Let me just wait a few more months and save more money and travel. But I don't know. I'm not having a great time being back home. It's just really, really hard to go from living abroad. And I'm not saying this in a snobby way. I'm saying living abroad and being around different people all the time that are on the same wavelength as you as far as coaching or being self-employed or being creative or having really, really, really big ambitious goals. It's just hard to do that when I'm living at home with my parents and my sisters and, you know, going to a cafe, like I said, where there's like two people working that are not even in the industry. So that being said, I think my travel plans are going to change a little bit. And yeah, I don't know exactly where I'm going to go. I'm testing out a few places. I'll say that. It's weird when you have the freedom to go do whatever you want. You forget that. Like I purposefully wanted to help people and be able to live wherever I want while I was doing that. And now that I have that opportunity, well, let me rephrase. 
I have the opportunity to go some places, right? My finances right now don't allow me to like rent a high rise apartment in New York city in the most expensive neighborhood. That's not what I'm saying, but I could, if I really wanted to probably rent like an Airbnb in New York for two or three weeks. Yeah. Like I could do that. I could go to LA probably and get like a six month lease. I could go to Costa Rica. I could go to Mexico. I could go to Europe, back to Australia if they ever open their borders again. But I'm telling you this because I think a lot of people want this laptop lifestyle. And then when you have it, it feels really weird. It feels really, really freaking weird to be like, wait a second, the world actually is my oyster and I can go, you know, wherever I want, depending on my finances. It's a lot of, I don't know if it's pressure necessarily, but it makes you question a lot of things. Like, well, do I want to be living this unstable of a lifestyle and for how long? Or who do I really want to be around? What environments do I light up in? And I noticed for me, I definitely light up around being by the beach, being around other creatives and digital nomads, and being in places where there's a mix of like spirituality and, you know, healing and that type of environment, as well as having the fun side too. I like to go out. I love to eat out. I love to have a fun cocktail with friends. I love to do new things. So it's interesting because you're like, okay, that sounds like go live in a city, but cities usually aren't by beaches, except a few of them, right? Like Barcelona or LA, which is why I probably will move to Spain at some point and potentially live in Barcelona. So this is all to say that I'm probably going to test out a few places in the next few months. I have Mexico on my mind because I have a few friends that live there. And I had other friends send me a few towns being like, I really think this is your vibe. So I'm like, you know what? Let me go see it. Also, the cost of living is cheap. Digital nomads there. Freaking love Mexican food. It's my absolute favorite. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. And by the way, if you have any recommendations for Mexico, specifically any towns or anything, let me know. I've heard about Sayulita. Um, my friend lives in Playa del Carmen, which is the place I'm probably going to visit. But yeah, I have never been to Mexico, so I'm pretty excited about it. And I would love to hear from you all and keeping me posted on any other towns that you think have that vibe. Cafe is by the beach, big expat digital nomad community pretty like affordable cost of living. I'm not trying to live a luxurious lifestyle right now. You know what I want to just be by a cafe and then work for a little bit, run to the beach, have a dip, lay out, go to a yoga class and then go out to dinner with friends and have delicious food outside. Like that is the dream. So just throwing that out there. Let me know if you have any recommendations. One more really exciting announcement is that one-on-one podcast coaching is going to be officially opening next Monday. So that means I'm going to start reviewing the applications that have come in. I have a wait list right now and a few people have let me know they wanted to move forward. So I'm only opening spots to three people. So if you're interested in launching a podcast and you want one-on-one support with custom action plans, as well as text and voice note support between calls and a monthly mastermind call where you connect with other podcasters and access to Mike Drop My Podcast course. Yeah, you get a lot out of one-on-one coaching with me. Just go to the link in my show notes and apply on that specific link or head to the link in my bio on Instagram. You can also find this on my website. It's just called the one-on-one podcast coaching application. This gives me a sense of where you are and what specifically you're looking for out of coaching. And like I said, this is a very immersive experience. We work together for five months to get your podcast launched. And I will say, I'm going to toot my own horn for a second. I am really good at seeing people's complex, vague 
kind of up in the air ideas and then bringing them down into reality and then actually organizing them to make something happen and an action plan. So I don't know if that's my Virgo moon rising or stellium and Capricorn, meaning like I have some serious structure and organizational skills inside of me. It's interesting because I wouldn't have described myself as that until I started podcast coaching. Someone's like, hey, here's my idea. I'm thinking of this and this and this. And after call one, I already have them mapped out their their name, their first five episodes. We have an action plan. I can totally backtrack their launch date into a specific timeline. Like if they want to launch by X date, they need to have this recorded by X date and this already done. So this is, again, a very custom experience. And we want to make sure that you're following all the steps and not getting overwhelmed because there's a lot that goes into it. You know, submitting this to Apple and Spotify, editing, promotion, making sure that you're comfortable recording, recording itself. There's a lot that goes into podcasting outside of just plugging in a microphone. And that's what I'm here to support you with. So if you're interested in that, again, head to the link in my show notes or go to Instagram. You can DM me too. I'm always happy to have a chat and see if it's a fit, but I do require that everybody submits that application so I can understand where you're at and if I can actually help you. Also, I know we're now like officially in holiday season. There's a lot of stress coming up. I can already feel it bubbling up. I'm like, oh my God, just how much I have to do and plan and with work and gifts. So many things are happening in my mind that I need to commit to my daily meditation practice, which I'm happy to report I have. And I've been doing that with open. So I've been talking about open and it's because I'm absolutely obsessed with them. They are a mindfulness studio offering experiences that combine breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more to support transformation and personal development. They actually launched in 2020. So they built an ecosystem to meet people where they're at anywhere, anytime, any level on or offline. If you follow me on Instagram, I've been reading Atomic Habits and it's been so helpful because it basically says to start in baby steps, which is what I always preach on this podcast. But for some reason, when it came to working out and meditating, I wasn't really doing that. And open is what got me back into being active and meditating because they truly do have something for everybody. I'm talking like three minute meditations or breathwork classes all the way up to 20 to 30 minute workout classes. You can pick anything and any level, including intensity, duration, body part. There are so many filters to actually figure out what you need and they have programs. So if you're like, I don't really know where to start, pick one of them. That's like seven days to focus. So you just follow each day. Their app is so interesting because not only is it backed by proprietary technology, but it bridges ancient wisdom and modern science. And there are so many expert teachers in there that have different backgrounds. So the classes are designed to engage the senses and regulate the nervous system, which is like the number one thing I would tell everybody to focus on in 2022 is regulate your nervous system. And they did this all to reach a meditative state that many can find hard to achieve. There are also breathwork techniques woven in each experience to strengthen the mind-body connection. So like I said, so many options, including the filters. You can even do live classes. They actually have a pop-up in Venice. So if you're over in LA, be sure to check out the Venice pop-up because it's incredible. I can't wait to go. And I have actually the co-founder and a founding teacher coming on the podcast in December. So you can hear even more about the app and why I've been so obsessed with it. 
Be sure to check out some of my favorite classes like Quick Glute Strength by Abe A, Unwinding Road Meditation by Minaj, who's coming on the podcast, and Meditation Snack. So like I said, there's something for everybody. And instead of hopping around multiple apps to meditate and breathe and work out, you can find it all in open. So download open and go to the link in my bio for a free 30-day trial. I want you all to know if you go to open itself, the website, I think you only get a 14 day trial with my link. You get 30 days. Okay. So you get double the amount of time. That's a whole month to actually try every single class. So try the live classes, try the on-demand ones, try it with a friend because you can do that. Be sure to check out all the different options. And like I said, it's a whole 30 days free. So head to the link in my bio or head to the link in my show notes and you can download it and try it for yourself. All right, let's dive into this week's episode with Julie Wenger. Welcome to the show, Julie Wenger. I am so excited to have you on to talk about the Enneagram, coaching, faith. I'm so excited. Welcome to the show. I am pumped. Thanks for having me. So I was looking through your website, your social media, and I saw a tagline that kept popping up, which was be too much. Can you talk about this tagline and where it came from? Absolutely. So my personal be too much movement is kind of new. I am a recovering people pleaser and a recovering boundaryless person, put it that way. And so over the last few years, I've gone through this massive transformational season of life, stepping out of an old career and an old business that was successful, made me lots of money, had lots of people looking at me saying, Hey, how did you do this? How can I do this? And I was miserable. Very long story short, it was me buying into someone else's story about what my life should be, what success looked like and getting there and going, but I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. And so the last couple of years have really been this shift into, okay, who am I? Let's get clarity on who the F I am and why I'm on this earth, because I had to figure out a way to either fix that existing career, which was in real estate at the time, or figure out something else to do. And my identity was so wrapped up around, but I am a mom and I'm a wife and I'm a realtor and I'm a boss and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm successful and I make this much money and I, and I, and I, and I, which is all roles and achievements, right? that I really actively had to detach from all of those things and say, but who am I if all that goes away? Who am I if I take all those roles and all those assignments and all those titles away? And where I landed was I am love, joy, strength, light, and grace. So that was amazing. And it gave me this foundation to lead into why am I on this earth, which is all about empowering people and helping them find their fire and trust themselves and live their purpose. And coaching popped up as the natural fit for now, at least of alignment with who I am and why I'm here. So it's been a couple of years. And this year, what's shown up for me is this new awareness that even with all the growth and all the transition and all the self-awareness and all of these, what I call hold your nose and jump moments, like quitting jobs or starting a podcast or scary things, big, scary things that you don't know what's on the other side of, I still wasn't showing up as 
fully and authentically me. There was another layer. There was a layer that hid less. There was a layer that embraced this piece of my personality or part of my personality that is loud. And I always called her loud and obnoxious, Julie. And it was, don't do that because people won't like you. Don't be too overt with your opinions because you might offend somebody. Don't talk about politics and religion because you're not supposed to. Fit the mold. Play it safe. Be a little smaller. Shine a little less light so that other people aren't triggered or not, you know, they're not uncomfortable. So one of the things that's shown up in all of that new awareness of, oh, I'm not really stepping out of that story. That's someone else's story. That's more people pleasing and being just all of me in all situations was, well, what if I did? What would that look like if I did? And what would it look like if I embraced that characteristic that I had deemed to be undesirable, quote unquote, So in some circles, we talk about this as shadow work and shadow work kind of sounds woo to me. And I'm really not woo. I'm all like, I love Jesus over here. But when I started reading about it, psychologically, it made a lot of sense because there are these pieces of us that both positive and negative characteristics that we get feedback, especially when we're little and we're developing all our self-protective patterns of how do we get love and how do we stay safe? There are parts of our characteristics that are not okay in the environments we're in. So loud and obnoxious, I had determined was not okay. And so I'd put it away. But when we push things away and we put them away and we try to bury them, they still leak out sometimes. So I would be this calm, put together human. And then I would have these bursts of too muchness. I'd have these bursts of obnoxious, loud, bossy, controlling all of these labels. And I actually did this meditation when I was starting to get curious around, well, what would it look like for me to be loud and obnoxious me? What would it look like if I was too much? And in this meditation, it talked a little bit about fear. What is it that you're afraid of? And at first I thought, well, I'm afraid that people are going to find me out. I'm afraid that people are going to get close enough to see that I don't have it all figured out. I'm not everything I'm cracked up to be. I'm not as powerful or as called as I make it look like. And then I got a little further into the meditation and I realized that was a complete and total BS story. And what I was really scared of was that I am as powerful and as called as I think I am. What if... And I'm curious for your listeners to really ask themselves this question. What if you are powerful? What if you are put on this earth with a purpose? What if you are called to something that only you can do? That's scary because that means we have to show up and do the work. And for me, that meant I have to let go of this not too muchness thing because for me to do and lean into and be available to all of the things that my heart knows is possible, I have to be bold and shake people's trees and be comfortable with not everybody liking me all the time. I have to challenge people and be a voice and 
that, that was the basis for be too much. I was sitting here reflecting on it and it was kind of like, I don't hear God audibly, but I just had this sense in my head, like be too much and go, mm. just go be too much, be loud, be bold, be quote unquote obnoxious, be assertive, be open with your opinions. Who determines what too muchness is anyway? What even is that? Such a good question. (laughs) Right? It doesn't actually exist. It's just like enough doesn't exist. We define what enoughness is. Right. And when I run master classes on this, I'll always ask people, can you define it? Or is it a moving target? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's this bar that keeps rising and rising and rising and rising. Because enoughness isn't actually something we reach. It's just something we are. Mm-hmm. We are already inherently enough unless we choose that we're not. And so I was approaching too muchness kind of with that same lens of, well, what is it anyway? Who determines what that is? And so too muchness for me is very much about embracing polarities. It's about allowing myself to be loud sometimes and quiet other times. It's about allowing myself to be fierce sometimes and soft other times. It's about not minimizing my extremes and ending up being average all the time. It's about allowing myself to shine brighter to give other people permission to also shine. Because I don't know about you, but I was very much raised in that culture where it's like, you don't, you don't shine, you don't be bright, you don't because that's ego, and that's not okay. But then we end up surrounded with a whole bunch of people who are just embracing mediocrity. And no one is living fulfilled, and no one is reaching their potential. And then the world isn't getting what it needs. So I really don't believe that we are put here to play small. I love that. And you know what, as you were talking, it made me think about when you just said how, you know, don't be loud, don't be too this, don't be too that. I feel like when social media came out, the message was the opposite. It was like, try to be the center of attention, try to make yourself look perfect, try to make sure you're always posting, try to make sure you're constantly having something to say, which now I'm thinking about it out loud is kind of confusing because you're like, wait, now I'm supposed to show all my opinions and share everything, but like my whole life I wasn't. So did you notice within yourself this whole shift of like detaching and then trying to be a little more assertive, a little more loud. How did that happen? Was it through social media? Was it through conversations? Like walk us through that. There's been a combination of places where I've implemented that shift. Some of it's been in teaching. Some of it's been in one-on-one client sessions. Some of it has been speaking from stage. A lot of it's been in social, especially through a pandemic, right? There are less opportunities to be in person with people Um, But fundamentally, it's about an intention to say, how do I show up in as much alignment with being love, joy, strength, light, and grace as possible? And in the circumstance, does that require me to be loud and fired up? Does that require me to be calm and hold safe space for people? Is it a combination of both? And it's really just trusting myself, right? It's this inherent 
trusting my own inner knowing. And what's been interesting about social is that I've been using social for business for 12 years and it has evolved constantly, but it was this blend of yes, show up a lot and be seen, but only let parts of you be seen. So be consistent and talk and share and all of that, but it's like surface level vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So I would share about things, but I wouldn't give the whole opinion. Just like if I was out with friends and we're talking politics and they're like, oh, well, you know, I love this person and I really don't. Right. But I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I could see like this good thing about them. And I kind of like this about that person. What do you think? Um, It's instead of showing up in that kind of capacity, both on social and in person saying, you know what, I'm going to own what I believe. And I'm going to let people in a little deeper into what's going on. I'm going to post a few less curated things. I'm going to ask myself the question of, am I putting content or opinions or things out there from a place of needing to pad my own ego and make sure my Instagram grid looks good? Or am I putting something out because I feel inspired to? And when I'm writing the content, is there something that I want to say? And I feel like I'm questioning if I should, what's behind the questioning? Is it that someone might judge me? Is it that someone might feel uncomfortable or is it that I am maybe out of integrity with myself? Am I in reaction? Am I responding? What is that looking like for me right now? Because we can get all kinds of fired up about things that we might regret later, right? Like see things happening in the world like, and I'm going to comment and get drawn into the drama or the chaos of it. Cause our ego's wired that way. And it likes that stuff. Or I could take a hot second and breathe and say, is this something that warrants a quick response? Or is this something I think about? Is this something I feel you know, called and inspired to write something about? Or is this something that I can leave? And if I still feel like it's important tomorrow, I can come back to. So there's been, there's been an abundance of putting masks on in social media land and trying to make ourselves look a certain way, whether that's more put together or more victimized because we see a lot of that too, right? We see a lot of people that have the polished and the perfectly branded. And then we see a lot of people that it's the woe is me disempowered mentality. And they want to share it with the world because then we can commiserate. And there's enough of that going on that it's still pretty prevalent. Do you have an example of something that you have spoken out about that maybe you wouldn't have a few years ago? Like, People pleasing Julie wouldn't have done it, yeah, but 100%. today you would. So when, uh, when George Floyd got murdered, like two, almost two years ago, year and a half, two years ago, I was in that beginning phase of really standing in my own power and talking about things that mattered to me. And so previous to that, I would have probably been pretty muted about things like Black Lives Matter. I posted occasionally about politics, but not a whole lot. I posted occasionally about faith, but not a whole lot. And that particular event 
was such a wake up call for me. And I often refer to it as the white people awakening, like where y'all been, you know? And I was like, hold on. I have a voice and I have a platform and I have a passion for people and equality and equity. And I cannot stand by and be comfortable while there is this entire community and there are multiple communities because it's not just Black Lives Matter, it's Stop Asian Hate, and it's the indigenous peoples of Canada and North America. Um, there are so many groups who have been systematically oppressed, and I'm not part of those groups, which means I can call white people out on their shit, and they will hear me in ways that they may not hear people from these groups. So it kind of became my responsibility and something I felt very called to, to be very vocal and to be very intentional about leveraging all of my platforms, a podcast, summit, social generally, et cetera, to say, how do we get diversity and get these people into the room so that they can share and they can speak and they can be heard and they can be seen and we can come to some sort of reconciliation and just come back to humanity. And that was something I would have been more scared about, or I would have avoided. Now, there's still a fear that shows up there. I just want to like, call a spade a spade here. Of I get also that I'm a white chick that is trying to be an ally. And so I'm not going to get things right all the time. So I still hesitate sometimes. And I try to figure out how do I frame this? And what language do I use? Because I want to be really cognizant of how it's going to land and not have my privilege show through that. But it's a different kind of fear than this ongoing perception management of how do people see me as put together and someone that, oh, I want to have her coach me because she's figured it all out. You know, like all of that ego padding nonsense. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be one thing. And more recently, it's been faith because in real estate for 10 years, the narrative is you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion, period, because you will alienate people. It's total scarcity mentality. And then they won't hire you. And so stepping into coaching, I was like, huh, this is kind of a cool new space where I can be more me as if they all had power over me, the elusive they that determined what you're allowed to talk about in real estate. But I gave my power away on that. And so there's been a a kind of coming out of the closet in terms of my own faith of not being a closet Christian or being someone who um, talks about what I believe only when it feels really safe to. And again, not from a place of wanting to, you know, offend anyone or alienate anyone, but just saying like, this is where I stand and what I believe. And you're welcome to believe what you believe. And I will love you and support you. And I'm just not going to hide that part of myself because then I am not in integrity with me. And what's interesting too, is that you also, I know, integrate the Enneagram in your work. And that's something that I'm sure people might be like, what is that? Is that real? Why would you do this? You know what I mean? There's so many opinions about some of these tools and systems. So can you talk to us a little bit about the Enneagram and why you chose to integrate it as part of your work? Yeah. So the Enneagram came to me, when I was in those first stages of discovering who I was and was I going to leave real estate? How was I going to fix it? 
And it was like, I call it a cosmic two by four to the head because it kept coming at me from different places. And this is how God yells at me. And so I heard about it in coaching and I heard about it on a podcast and I heard about it somewhere else. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'll read about this thing. And I was studying other personality systems actually at the time for my team to figure out how do I empower them in a work capacity as a boss? How do I set my people up for success? So I start reading about the Enneagram and it both beautifully fits underneath it or within it, all of these other tools and systems that we've been exploring, like MBTI and DISC and love languages and six basic human needs, et cetera. And it nailed me to the wall in terms of this is your lens of the world because the Enneagram is essentially nine core types of people. Three who are very thinking driven, we call them head people, three who are very feeling driven, heart people, and three who are very action and instinct oriented or gut people or body people. And so I'm reading about this heart type, type two, sometimes called the helper or the befriender. And the Enneagram is a really beautiful tool with giving us insight into what is it that we overattach to that takes us out. So I had overattached to I'm helpful and needed. Those were my identity statements. So I'm going through life trying to prove that I'm helpful and needed. And it gave me context on what are my superpowers? Like nurturing and holding space and being fiercely loving and protective. And it gave me insight into what happens when I'm really stressed out and I run out of resources in that core space through that core lens of how do I perceive and interact with the world? When my helping isn't enough, when my connecting with people, when that relationship drive, all of those spaces are like, I got nothing left, which happens for my type a lot. We overgive to the point of we're totally burnt out. I start start to take on some of the characteristics of another type that I have aligned to, which is type eight, challenger. So I started to see how when I was drained, And I'd start snapping at my children or I'd start being micromanaging with my team. That was a warning flag from my subconscious of, Hey, go do some work. You got to come back to yourself and get back to neutral. It also told me about how, when I'm really healthy and at my best, I start to take on some positive characteristics of a type called the individualist. And so my drive for music, songwriting, singing, creativity, when I'm really good and my ability to use that to get to really good, all made sense. I was like, oh, this is what's happening. So it was to keep a very, 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 very deep and (laughs) intense system um, kind of surface level. It was this incredible tool that gave me a map to myself and I use it in my practice with every single client as a foundation piece because I have not found a system or a tool that accelerates our self-awareness and growth like this one does anywhere. And it's not, here's your box and your checklist of all the things you are. And now off you go back into your life. It's this roadmap of where are you now in this spectrum of unhealthy mindset, mental, emotional health, spiritual health to really healthy. 
and integrating all kinds of psychology, psychosomatics, and spiritual practice. It's really multifaceted. And we look at becoming more whole, becoming more us, and starting to unravel some of the protective patterns or defensive mechanisms our subconscious takes on to keep us safe and get our needs met for love when we're little. And then we bring those patterns with us into adulthood when they sometimes don't serve us anymore. So how do we start to take our power back from those patterns? Because this was really interesting to me. Personality is essentially a collection of coping mechanisms. We have an underlying essence. We have a core character structure of things that are pretty constant, but we wrap around that all of these protective patterns like people pleasing and proving and perfectionism and distraction and overwhelm and procrastination and being controlling and avoiding and numbing and all of these different things and different types have different primaries. And that forms this shell around us and it becomes who we think we are. And it becomes the default when we're talking about what stories do we assign to things and how do we show up and how do we behave and what kind of results do we create? So getting awareness of that to be able to start to go through life and maybe get triggered because we got to trigger our triggers to grow through the triggers. We maybe get triggered and start to flip out at the kids and go, hold on. The flags are out. I'm doing that pattern thing again. What is it I need right now? What do I need to lean into in my toolkit to get back to neutral? How do I come back to the I am love, joy, strength, light, and grace that is my anchor that reflects my essence? (sighs) Okay, how does that require me to show up right now? So it's a giant pattern interrupt, which is really cool. And it gives us so much context, the whole who I am and the purpose piece. We're so tied to my awareness that came from that system. So it's like a very short version of Enneagram. I love that. Is there a specific website or resource, anything that you would direct people to, to learn about their Enneagram? My favorite book is one called The Road Back to You. Um, It's Mm. by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. And I listened to the audiobook and I have two copies of the actual book. It was super easy in terms of just learning the basics. And for most people, that's all they need. So there are a ton of other resources. We've done an online course. If someone wants to do an online course, they can reach out. But a lot of the resources that are out there and a lot of the training that is out there is very intellectual, kind of like university textbook. So this particular book is more of a story like read. It's really easy to get through and it'll give people enough insight to definitely get started on their journey. Oh, I love that. Well, I have one final question and we've been talking about it a little bit, but fear and ego, I feel like those are two of the biggest things that we deal with on a daily basis. And we kind of just repress it and we're just like, I'm scared of this. I'm going to avoid it or I'm going to numb out or distract, like you said. So how do you coach clients through managing fear and kind of taming their ego? One of the things that I love to embrace with them is we'll call it out when we see it. And we have a little conversation with our ego because our ego uses fear. Our ego is essentially the part of us that we need to go to battle with to grow. 
So we do this little thing. We're like, hi, ego, we see you. And thanks for showing up for Chelsea to keep her safe right now. But she's got this. And we'll pat the table beside us. We have a seat over here while we figure this thing out. Because we're good. Because your ego is like a subconscious four-year-old that's running around that doesn't have context on the world. But it's trying to get its way and it's trying to keep you safe because it wants three things. Certainty, definitiveness, and control. And for us, it's about going to battle with it by pulling it in to like a giant bear hug where it's close to us, where we can integrate it, where we can thank it and we can find the gifts in it. But we take the power away because it's hard for someone to swing out and punch you in the face when you're hugging them. So that's the imagery that we often lean into. And then when we can find the beauty and the gratitude and how it's showing up for us, it allows us to then shift into, okay, what's the next step on the growth journey? And we go through the growth journey and then we have what we call an integration period where our ego gets to see, okay, yeah, we're all right over here in this new space that I was scared of because a bear could jump out from behind the car. So I'm going to let go of my existing identity attachments and I'm going to relatch onto these new ones. And then we're ready for the next growth curve. I love that. That is so helpful. It's almost just personifying it to give it a tangible meaning and then saying, okay, we're going to put you to the side and work through this. It's so helpful. Well, this has been an incredible conversation and I know there's going to be people that want to work with you. So where can everybody find you? They can head over to juliewenger.com. That's Julie with no E, although I think we own both domains because spelling is fun with my name and they can find me on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on Instagram, just at Julie Wenger. I'd love to chat with them. Amazing. Send me a DM. Tell me about your journey. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Well, that's a wrap. Julie is an incredible person. As you heard, she is so deep. She really got my wheels spinning and thinking of how I view myself and how I actually answer the question, who am I? Because it's a deep one. So definitely use that as a journal prompt this weekend. Who are you without all your accomplishments and roles and titles? Be sure to check out the show notes and connect with Julie. And you can always follow me at Chelsea Rife on Instagram, info at ChelseaRife.com to write an email to me or ChelseaRife.com is my website where you can find everything going on, including my one-on-one podcast application. I will be officially reviewing applications on Monday, and there are only three spots for 2022. So if you've been wanting to launch your podcast with me by your side, coaching you along the whole entire way with a custom action plan, voice note and text support between calls, monthly masterminds, and access to my podcast course, then this is for you. I'll also drop the link in my show notes and be sure to support the show's sponsor open. It has been a game changer for me. I am talking meditation daily, active movement daily, which I haven't done in forever. I also have been seeing just more improvement in my focus. I've been really scatterbrained because I feel like I always have so much to do with work. And when I just throw on a meditation snack, which is one of my favorite tracks on the app or gratitude pocket in the morning by Minaj. I'm telling you, it changes my day. So do not underestimate the power of a three-minute meditation or five-minute breath work or a 15-minute glute workout. It can seriously shift your energy and you get to try it for free for 30 days. So if you're like, why is Chelsea so obsessed with this? 
I'm telling you, just go try it for yourself and you'll see why I ended up getting an annual subscription because I was like, I need this in my life every single day. So again, 30 days free. And I just want to remind you, if you go to the website itself, you only get 14 days free. So with my code, you get 30 days free and I would love to do a meditation challenge around mid-December. So stay tuned for that. DM me if you're down for that. I feel like we all need some focus and recentering, especially after this year, right before the holiday season. It's been a chaotic year. I know we all need virtual hugs. We need to be connecting. And that's also why I love the app because you can practice with friends. So again, head to the link in my show notes or the link in my bio on Instagram to try open for 30 days free. And guess what? In the giving spirit, they're giving away two annual subscriptions, which is incredible. For anybody who leaves a review on my podcast, you'll be entered into this giveaway. So all you have to do is take a screenshot of your review and send it to info at chelsearife.com or DM it to me at Chelsea Rife. I would recommend taking a screenshot before you submit it because Apple Podcasts is weird and sometimes takes forever to upload. So just grab the screenshot before, send it to me, and then I will pull your name at the end of the month to win an entire year-long subscription to the app. I'm super excited about it, and I cannot wait for you to hear from Minaj, one of the co-founders. He's coming on in December, as well as Ali Maz, who is one of the founding teachers. It's so awesome what they've built, and I know that you're going to love it just as much as I do. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week.